Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite, to explore yoga as a spiritual path, a way of practical, intentional living, self and God realization. Simple, profound, practical. Three words that describe what we can learn about how to live optimally with the combination of yoga and Arveda. So, yoga and Arveda are sister sciences that arise from the Vedas and each offer an entire way of life, enhancing our health in a holistic fashion, affecting our body, mind, and essence of being. So, we are so uh, privileged today and honored to be joined by Acharya Shunya Pratichi Mathur. We're going to be talking about these lifestyle recommendations from Ayurveda that can be supportive of our spiritual goals and healthy living. Acharya Shunya is the founder of Vedika Global, and she's dedicated her life to the dissemination of Vedic knowledge for the spiritual upliftment of all beings. She's a distinguished Vedic scholar and living custodian of an eminent Vedic lineage from Ayodhya in India, and uh, this lineage has been imparting yoga, uh, Ayurveda, and Vedanta teaching for generations in the traditional way of classical Gurukulam education. Welcome, Acharya Shunyaji, I'm so happy you're back on the Yoga Hour today. Yogacharya, it is my pleasure to join you in this dialogue. Thank you. And before we begin, uh, we'll just take a moment to have a centering meditation. Oh. Before we 
begin uh, anything that we are doing, any project that we are doing, any conversation, any engagement, when we can, it's so useful to just take a moment to become centered, to become aware of our essential nature that is beyond words and thoughts. How do we do that? It's so easy. We just can use our breath as a natural vehicle to expand our awareness, expand our energy, and come to consciously abide in our essence of being. So please join me for a moment now and simply become aware of your breath. Notice your in-breath and your out-breath without trying to change it. And then as we notice the breath, let us consciously decide that with the in-breath we will bring our attention deeply within, beyond the body, beyond the mind, within, within, to our spiritual essence, the inner light, the divine self, dwelling within our heart of hearts. And with each out-breath, letting go of any stress or tension. When we have this intention to consciously become aware of our breath, to dive within, to become spiritually awake, aware in any moment, we start to notice our thoughts, our feelings, our sensations. We then can be aware that we are the conscious observer of all of that. We are not our thoughts, we are not our sensations. But we are the witness, the divine self, the seer of all. So take a moment now to simply consciously abide in that divine self, in that which you are, awake, aware, unmoving, unchanging. And as we conclude this centering moment now, let us gather up the peace that is inherent to our divine nature and feel that we bring that peace into the mental field, into our physical body, and that it shines as light into the world, into our families, into our workplace, wherever we are, this light emanating from us and of course coming to meet us from all beings that we encounter all of life is divine let us take that awareness now in to our day today with Acharya 
Shunya Pratichimatur. We're going to be looking at the potential that we have for radiant health and spiritual awakening that can be supported by the ancient systems of yoga and Ayurveda. Paramahansa Yogananda said, the laws of life can teach us to live in harmony with nature and all aspects of life when we know what the laws are and conduct ourselves in accordance with them. We experience lasting happiness, good health, and perfect harmony. Ayurveda literally means knowledge of life, life knowledge. Both yoga and Ayurveda encourage living our lives in harmony with nature and with a spiritual law. And then we reap these benefits, which include happiness, health, and peace. Shunyaji, you have had the very good fortune uh, to, and I think, or karma, we could say either way, to be immersed in the wisdom and practices of yoga, Vedanta, Ayurveda, since birth, because you were born into a family of Vaidyas, of um, these Ayurvedic sages, and it, so it was a natural way of life in your family, a natural way of life for you to experience. So tell us a little bit about what that was like, your early experience with um, Ayurveda, um, just right in your family. Yes, Umaji, I think it was definitely uh, a good karma or merits from last life that I was born in this family. And, of course, when we are born in a family, we we take it for granted. And uh, I can say that um, I didn't really realize the immensity of what I've had until a few years later when I had left my country. But all along, this um, the seeing of the knowledge of leading a certain lifestyle from waking up in the morning to going to bed and having the practices of yoga and the contemplations of Vedanta echoing all around me, I think gave me a very great start in life. Mm-hmm. And... In retrospect, when I look at my own life and any challenges that life, um, you know, gave me, as is normal, I came through. I, I uh, The radiant factor that you're talking about is just with me, and I feel stronger than ever. I don't have sick days. I don't have even occasional sicknesses. So what is this? I I have a regular body, a regular mind, and a regular self, but is it regular, or has it been blessed by these sciences? So I'm not trying to be vain here, and may may God and Guru continue to protect my health and my, you know, confidence and my esteem around these sciences, but I can say that being born into it, uh, it just was a way of life for me, and my elders didn't have to lecture me, they just simply role modeled it. And that helps because that is part of the tradition of parampara and the child just absorbs it by osmosis. So if every morning my grandfather, my teacher Baba, who I call Baba, would, you know, walk to the river Sarayu to take a bath and to worship and to chant the Gayatri Mantra and to purify himself and the planet ritually, first it was just the trip to the river with Baba and then it became the trip to my own self with Baba. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've had the blessing of knowing you for um, a few years now, and you know, one of the things uh, I hope it's okay to say, but one of the things I observe with you is a beautiful um, sense of self confidence, and um, that is what we uh, on the path, uh, spiritual path of yoga, strive for. And by that, I mean confidence in the self, not the small self, but the higher true self and so i i can see that this immersion um you know really made that kind of impression on you very early in life that allowed you um to come back you know to your higher self again and again you know as you say when you have faced a challenge or whatever in life um and i think that is the is it just such a critical piece that um, y- you were in an environment, if, if I may say this about you, you know, you were in an environment that taught you, you have to look to the self, capital S, you know, for, for healing. Um, you have these uh, practices that, um, you know, can be supportive, but at the heart of it is this understanding of, you know, our divine self um, as the true healer. And do, do you think that's an accurate perception, Shunyaji? Well, definitely. I think, um, thank you for noticing that in me because um, even to notice that, one has to be aware of the self. And I, I always feel um, uh, mirrored by you, dear friend. And uh, indeed, because with the practices of Ayurveda lifestyle, I was um, I was initiated into really respecting and almost revering my body, the physical being, and uh, it just felt precious. It didn't feel uh, uh, I didn't feel like um, oh here was something I have to carry. Uh, and, you know, it gets sick or it gets tired or it gets, you know, uh, the knee gets chafed. Even when the knee got chafed, I remember my guru, my Baba, saying to me, look at this brilliant, beautiful blood and, and how it will heal you and how we can apply aloe vera on it or something like that. So it became like a source of miracles for me. And then with pranayams and yogic practices or the chanting of the mantras, Naturally, the mystic uh, powers and shakti that is hidden within us start, you know, revealing themselves because this is not, we're not leading a mundane life at all. And then, of course, with the Vedanta contemplations, uh, Bhagavad Gita, Upanishads, uh, or texts by Shankaracharya, which began a little later, um, you know, the whole universe became magical. And even though I uh, I had uh, a normal life in terms of whatever life brings our way. Indeed, um, these private moments with your own self leave you changed forever. Do you not agree, Umaji? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was different for me. And I think that's why I can, you know, observe it, uh, in you. Um, because, you know, my, my family did not have that spiritual root. And so, you know, I often tell the story that, you know, my father, um, because he was agnostic, you know, and he, and he lived a very hard life. And mm-hmm. so he was always trying to prepare us for hard life. And, you know, he said to me, you know, because I had some kind of inherent um, uh, spirituality and enthusiasm and faith just as a child. I had that. And, 
And he, he said to me, you know, one day you're going to find out about the real world. And, you know, his perspective was I was going to find out, you know, about this material existence and how difficult it is. But, you know, I often smile about that and think, you know, how um, blessed I have been, you know, through the grace of God and Gurus that I did find out about the real world. Um, but, you know, it wasn't the real world that, that he had in mind. So, um, you know, what was it like for you moving to the West and, you know, and with a sense of having been immersed in, you know, quote-unquote, that real world of this magical world that is, um, you know, living in this one reality that is constantly changing and uh, uh, and that has this supportive grace in it. You know, what was it like for you when you came here? In my early youth, I I stepped outside the magical um, magical world that my family had created for me, and I looked at the you know the the modernizing India, and I tried to adapt some of its values uh, uh, because every seeker and every future teacher has to really like juxtapose you know what is real and what is my calling. So I, in some sense. Walk, tried to walk away from my inheritance or my heritage, so to say, mm-hmm. or uh, what was given to me by Ishwara, by, by, you know, that formless one. Mm. And uh, so when I came to the West, I had, you know, already experienced what is life outside uh, the, you know, living outside this, um, this structured way of thinking and living and, and a spiritual way of life versus a more material way of life. And when I came to the West, I thought, oh, yeah, right here. This is good that I experimented with, you know, just living outside my own family's heritage. But then interestingly, when I came to the West, and I was all by myself, Omaji, all that came to me was the teachings Mm. and living practices. And so in a way, coming to America was really going back home, back to me, because it was now up to me to either let go of my heritage because there was no, there was nobody holding it for me. There was no form. There was no big ancestral family. There was no parampara or tradition. And yet it was right there. And then coming to America, I started looking at the different faces and the eyes and the inquiry and the quest. And it was the same people who came to my ancient home. I was just meeting mm-hmm. all over again. So you ask me, how is it like coming to the West? I just feel I'm right there. Mm. I am where I want. And I'm just yeah. all kinds of people. And probably traveling to the West was important for me because it allowed me to really be expansive and at the same time become centered in recognizing the gems that I have received and how these gems are important to carefully give to uh, students and seekers of the same wisdom. Mm. You know, it, it, I, I can relate also to what you're saying um, about just discovering that that same self uh, everywhere, of course, and and experiencing 
people with the same uh, needs and the same uh, soul searching. You know, I recently went to India and, um, you know, I've gone to India many times and in the past it was always like uh, I was in really, quote unquote, a foreign land, you know, for me and discovering uh, this beautiful uh, spiritual nature of it, but uh, which is still true today. But as I think, as I have, um, my consciousness has uh, expanded a bit that that I, my, this last experience, I felt really I was not in a different place, <laughs> which was very interesting to me. Uh, the, you know, of course the physical location was different, but I felt, um, I was the same. The people I was encountering, you know, were the same. And, uh, that was a very precious experience to, uh, you know, be more aware that it's the same self and people have the same, uh, challenges. So we're, we're going to take a little break now for a moment. When we get back, let's talk about those practical ways in which we can, um, meet those challenges that we face, uh, every day. You've got some really wonderful wisdom for us about daily, uh, lifestyle that I think we're all going to benefit from. So as soon as we get back from the break, let's talk about daily lifestyle with Ayurved. We'll be right back with you. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. book, What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug? Daryl Fuzaro emphasizes the positive effects of applying unity principles in everyday situations. Laura Harvey, editor of Daily Word magazine, explains Daryl Fuzaro shares his life lessons with inspiring creativity. This book is encouraging, funny, and heartwarming, a combination I highly recommend. As co-host of Unity Online Radio's Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, Daryl's old-school charm and no-nonsense approach to spirituality keep a global audience laughing and inspired. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug? Is loaded with Daryl's hilarious, award-winning illustrations and packs his wit and wisdom into easy-to-digest, bite-sized stories of how he transforms chaos into tranquility and succeeds in the entertainment business by doing the opposite of everyone else. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug is a pocket Bible encouraging the talented and timid to trust their gut, act on their intuition, and step out boldly. Even if you just bought it for the chapter titles and Daryl Fuzaro's illustrations alone, you'd be getting more than your money's worth with this book. Author and film critic Sister Rose Bucati says, Spending time with Fuzaro's stories will leave you no choice but to smile and carry on. Oh, he forgot to mention he hangs out with a group of nuns, but then, if he had, it would have necessitated a change to some of his more colorful adjectives. Have fun ordering your copy of What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug today on Amazon.com. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. 
Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and uh, our guest on Yoga Hour today is Acharya Shunya Pratichi Matur, a Vedic scholar, Ayurvedic practitioner, teacher, and the founder of Vedica Global. To find out more about Vedica Global, the programs they offer, and teachings with Shunya G, uh, visit vedicaglobal.org. That's V-E-D-I-K-A. G-L-O-B-A-L, VedicaGlobal.org. And I want to let you know that um, if you're listening in uh, early March 2016, that Acharya Shunya is going to be a presenter at the International Kriya Yoga Congress in San Jose from March 10 to 12. So you are in, warmly invited to attend that conference. And for more information about it, visit csecenter.org. And you'll see a button there on the home page for Korea Congress, and you'll be able to find the schedule and uh, the afternoon where you can come and meet uh, Acharya Shunya. Shunyaji, I'm, I was delighted to hear that you have a, uh, forthcoming book now that is, uh, sitting with the publisher that is going to focus on lifestyle practices of Ayurveda. You know, the, what we can do, what really everyone can do on a daily basis, um, to live really a more balanced and a radiant life. Um, and many of these lifestyle practices, uh, that, such as diet and, uh, various forms of exercise and meditation are, are known, uh, to reduce our risk for many of these non-communicable diseases, chronic diseases, such as diabetes and hypertension, which are really on the rise. And so, can you just sort of give us this perspective about having a daily uh, lifestyle routine in terms of um, both, you know, disease prevention and um, lifestyle enhancement? That's a lot, isn't it? But go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, actually, pretty much the Ayurveda lifestyle will meet that, uh, that uh, you know, description. Because, um, you know, thousands of years ago, the sages who gave us the Vedas and the scientists of Ayurveda, Yoga, Vedanta, they are said to have lived very long lives, long and healthy lives. And they were leading a life style. There was a certain design to their day, and it is known as Dinacharya. And there was a design to how the evening would proceed after sunset, which is known as Ratri Charya. And then they had a certain design to their journey through the year through the various seasons known as Ritu Charya. And the beauty um, 
is that all of these practices are actually applicable to everyone of whatever age, whether sick or healthy. And I have uh, prescribed these practices to even those who are terminally sick, and they have the quotient of their well-being improved. And Umaji, I was surprised that I started looking for, a, you know, a single exhaustive book on these practices with every detail possible, and I didn't find it. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised. Um, uh, in the ancient Sanskrit literature, uh, the references are, you know, spread over, you know, many books. So, you know, you have to be really a scholar to look through everything. And in books in uh, native Indian languages, um, often it is given in accompaniment with, you know, knowledge about doshas and pathology. So it's, again, limited in its scope. And in the books in English literature, in English language, I found that the first genre of books on Ayurveda were more about doshas and constitution and the lifestyle were, you know, maybe five to ten pages. Mm-hmm. But so then I realized that here is this beautiful knowledge which invites uh, the reader into a macro level engagement with Ayurveda with its life wisdom, its spiritual philosophy. And each and every practice given in such detail that pretty much that chapter on a certain practice would be all they ever need to go into to learn everything about it. Mm, So I I think it's so brilliant. I'm so glad that you discovered that need. And, of course, you know, we're aware that uh, your discovery of that comes out of your own dharma, you know, of the work you've been doing for years and um, really showing these practices to people. So, you know, let me... um, Ask you, Shunyuji, you know, you, you talked in the beginning about, you know, uh, having these practices in your youth, you know, they're, they're at a cellular level for you. And, you know, waking up in the morning, going to the river with your baba, having the immersion, the bathing, the, uh, the prayer, the mantra. Um, so here in the West, you know, in our, our cities especially, we're not likely to be able to go down to the river in the morning. Um, we're not likely to have uh, that opportunity. So how have you translated this for people who are uh, living such stress-filled, busy lives? You know, how, how can this work for us? Right. So then what I did was, because remember, I too moved away from the river and, you know, the I have a swimming pool in my backyard, but it doesn't, you know, give the same experience. <laughs> But what I did do was, you know, if you look at the essence of it, then really what the lifestyle practice is evoking within us or asking us to hold and embody is an attitude of reverence towards purifying the body with pure, beautiful, sacred waters. So in the book, for example, I teach about how to create mantras or affirmations that each person can hold in their own language and in their own culture. Because it's a timeless tradition that all the ancient people who have lived by ancient bodies of water have had a sacred connection. It's not just the Indians who've had that. And really, it's the same water of all these beautiful rivers that is coming through our taps. Mm -hmm. 
So it's mm-hmm. really a change of how do we, you know, how do we approach our bathing ritual? And then do we apply oil or other, you know, herbs on our body? Or do we just use a harsh chemical soap, no matter how aromatic it is, but it still, you know, hurts our skin? So then there will be recipes around how to create your own hygiene products to bathe yourself, to shampoo your hair and just you'll be surrounded by nature in every aspect of your being and if you're going to pull up a bath once a week or a couple of times a week then at least there are 10 different flowers that grow in america right here in our gardens and i have mentioned their healing attributes and can we put those flowers in our you know in our bathtub and really immerse ourselves in it and um, so these are the different ways that we can bring the timeless practices into our own American, uh, you know, bathrooms. And uh, really, um, you know, sitting in that tub, uh, deep breathing, surrounded by, you know, different flowers, which are really just healers, uh, you know, around us. We actually have a rejuvenative experience. And I really love the um, self empowerment um, uh, direction, you know, of this work that you do, and of the book that that you have coming out. You know, uh, because we're, you know, many of us are so used to going away somewhere. You know, going away from our daily life. We go on retreat. We go to an ashram, a retreat center, or we go to a spa. And, you know, we have healthy food, um, we have, uh, you know, perhaps oil massage, we have meditation, you know, we have these things. Um, and, but, but what we're talking about here is having this every day. Um, you know, I, I feel in my own life, and I observe that in others, that we yearn to live a holy life, really. You know, we, we, we learn to we yearn to live a holy life, and that is just the innate uh, yearning of the soul light, you know, to express in our life. And, you know, when people have asked me about it, I, I have said, if you, you know, feel that yearning, then, you know, it's a, it's a matter of learning how to love your life itself. And these practices that you're giving, Shunyaji, are, as you mentioned, help us bring a quality of reverence uh, to the body, to the mind, to our uh, essential self every day, you know, starting with <laughs> even before you get out of bed, uh, waking up with reverence, living the day with reverence, ending the day with reverence. So tell us, um, if you will, you know, about other uh, practice or practices that, that are part of this attitude of reverence for the body, mind, spirit. I think definitely there is a sacred quality to this entire lifestyle because it's a private pact that I make with myself that I am important. And so when I get up in the morning before anybody has woken up, and it doesn't matter to me if others have woken up or not in my household, I have woken up to greet the rising sun. In fact, I wake up even before the rising sun and I and I await it and I know that even though it's dark right now, light is the only truth and the first, uh, you know, ray of the sun, I will be there to greet it. And, you know, uh, that early morning rising, it is said that that is the holiest or the most sacred time in this entire Brahmanda or this creation and the one who wakes up 
receives gifts at this time. And I don't know, you mentioned earlier how I move with the confidence with the self, but I really feel that this early morning rising is like an antidepressant for me. When I witness the light changing from dark to golden to brilliance, and I have watched it, my chitta or consciousness goes through all those changes. It's like it has gone through, you know, some kind of a process and my inner gunas or my mind qualities change from being sleepy to, to questioning to a calm stillness. And, so, and then when I go out to pray to the rising sun in my way, and praying doesn't have to be a Hindu or Jewish or Sikh or Buddhist, but it's like a mindful connection to the entities of nature. Uh, I feel complete and full. And uh, then, you know, throughout the year, because I know that I will use nature to create products of self-love and self-care, I remember we had a hibiscus bush in our home, and I, when the flowers were in bloom, I would collect the extra ones and dry them carefully because I knew that when the flowers are not flowering, I would use this powder to create a hair conditioner, you know, mm-hmm. or to dye my hair. So I had this engagement with nature that was just continuing sublimity while I continue with my work in the rest of the world. But, you know, or I would be planting a seed because I knew that I had been using a certain herb. So it was my time to replant it back, you know, in nature. So this way what happens is waking up in the morning, collecting the flowers for your rituals or for your body care, connecting with the sun or the moon, you know, breathing practices, warming the oil, just right temperature to, you know, embalm your body with it and balance your doshas, which are called vata, pitta, kapha. I feel powerful. I feel like an artist. I have a canvas of my life. And no matter what is happening, somehow these one, one and a half hours spent exclusively for self-love and self-care just carries me through the rest of the day. And no matter what has happened in my life, what is coming forward, I wake up in the morning and I spend time with myself. So it's just just become a discipline, and a discipline invites me into a deep meditative, contemplative, self-respecting, self-loving space. So the rest of the day when I counsel, when I meet, you know, my colleagues, when I lecture, when I speak, when I lead the California State of, uh, you know, California Association of Ayurvedic Medicine as an officer in it, as its president, I think somewhere greeting the sun stays with me. Absolutely, and you you really have uh, pinpointed the one practice. I I, I hear uh, the sages again and again um, say is essential. You know, two parts. You know, one is this early morning time at you know sunrise or before um, to wake up early and to do it consistently. You know, my Guruji, uh, Roy Eugene Davis, um, who's a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, has, has stressed again and again for us the importance of a regular sadhana, you know, a daily lifestyle that is um, a, a daily spiritual practice with its uh, healthy lifestyle that is steady. So, you know, not getting up, uh, you know, to greet the dawn one day and sleeping in the next 
And I think, you know, um, for many in the West who are, you know, have a busy family life or, you know, work life, that is really one of the most difficult challenges is to begin to put a daily practice um, into effect, you know, that no matter what, like you say, no matter what, this is the time, you know, this daily practice. So how do you help your students, um, st- you know, establish this daily practice? I help them by sharing my example, but I also help them by um, by letting go of the myth that everybody needs, you know, a certain amount of hours of sleep, I actually tell them that if you go to bed by 10 p.m. and on most days, um, body will wake up early at Brahma Murata or prior to sunrise. And when you witness that, the amount of shakti or power that will flow through you, your, you know, your subtle, your causal being, subtle being, and your gross being, you will be carried through the rest of the day. You'll be less tired. So I have students who earlier were sleeping eight or nine hours a night or minimum seven to eight to nine and still waking up groggy, you know. <laughs> and now I have the same students sleeping six or five and a half hours a night, but they wake up in the early morning and do these practices and they are, you know, radiant the rest of the day. So what happened is that you do have to wake up just like the birds wake up at a certain time and that's why they stay healthy and they don't need bird hospitals because (laughs) nature conditioned them. You wake up early in the morning and I'll take care of your health. That was the fact. So what we did was we broke that pact. We created our, you know, our bulbs and our technology, and we created our own mini-universe. But actually, otherwise, if you think about it, our collective human ancestors, whether in East or West, they really followed the sun. They woke up with the sun, and after sunrise, it started becoming a quiet evening. And by 9 p.m., 8.30 p.m., the entire village would be quiet. Again, early morning, they would all rise. And that is why, you know, um, the... Homo sapien, Homo sapien, sapien, humanity kept progressing. It is only now with our technology that we have all the diseases in the world, everything, and new stuff exploding. And I can just trace it back to we stopped, we stopped transacting with Mother Nature and we told her, no, no worries, you just look pretty in pictures and in parks and in museums. We'll take care of our health in our terrible looking hospitals. Okay, but we won't wake up to greet you. We will not pause to breathe with you. We will not plant a seed to, you know, say thank you to you. And then what else happened? We became, you know, victims of, you know, our own unconsciousness uh, around the biorhythm that nature had us all on. And, mm-hmm. you know, talking about discipline and what your guru said about it's a profound statement that you can't just wake up one day and one day not. And on that, um, I wanted to share one very profound story that, um, again, due to karma, I lost my sister suddenly, abruptly. Uh, and, you know, she's no longer with us. And on the night that she passed away unexpectedly, the next morning I, I went to I went to bed and I had cried and I went to bed and... Next morning, I woke up at the same time because I had a habit. And for a moment, my thought, my mind went into, oh, my God, you know, my life is over. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this loss. And the next moment, I saw that my right hand was looking for, you know, 
my mala with which I do japa or chanting, because I had a habit. It had become you know, part of my neural network. And as I was chanting the mantra, you know, my, I'm here today with you. I could cross over that intense grief and that intense loss. So I was with the loss, but I was with the loss in a with more equipoise or more self confidence or confidence of the self. And if I didn't have disciplines in place, any tragedy can just take us off the ramp, and we we lose decades in grief and sorrow and disease and excessive eating or emotional binging or you know just in bed, depressed and melancholic. So we put the lifestyle in place when all is well, and then the lifestyle carries us. First, we carry the lifestyle, and then hopefully the lifestyle will carry us. That's mm. my. It is a beautiful story. Thank you, Shunyuji. And, you know, that is also my experience that we, we learn, um, about the supportive powers, um, both in nature, as you have been, uh, describing to us and in, uh, the self itself, you know, the spiritual power, um, of what we are that is greater than any change um, that we experience in life. And, you know, to begin to open our hearts and our minds uh, to this relationship with nature um, and not seeing it, you know, as an object, but seeing the very life of God in nature and how um, that we can learn to cooperate with natural law as well as spiritual law um, to to begin to really live a holy life. And, you know, of course, you know, with the busy lives, some people say, well, you know, how can I even have time, you know, for this? I'm doing this and that. But the the, the truth is we all have time for what we value and sometimes I know it can be very difficult to adjust our lifestyle but it really is a matter of priority and then I think you know once we begin to incorporate the practices and I think it's it's useful and I, I'm sure you would agree Shunyuji to do it very simple in the beginning take a simple step you know one thing one practice and you know so get up uh, at dawn and meditate, right? And, you know, you you don't have to spend hours doing this, but, you know, just incorporate one thing at a time and as you begin to feel the benefit, then you begin to experience that there's something else you can also add into this uh, program. Would you you agree? I I agree 100%. As a teacher, I tell my students, I'm sharing with you the map or I'm giving you the tree. But you don't have to eat the whole tree. You just have to eat a fruit or two and enjoy it. And often just that one or two practices uh, make a paradigm shift in mental physical health. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are practices of Ayurveda that I am still, you know, still implementing. And there are practices that have become completely implemented. So my whole life is a journey of exploration of this lifestyle. And I, I actually like it because I'm still learning and playing with some pieces, and some pieces have already become a fabric of my health and part of my radiance, uh, if I may say so. Um, but, you know, the radiance of, you know, feeling good, rather, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. That's how it is. It should not overwhelm us. 
and we should definitely not do it in a type A manner, you know, make a list and try to do everything because it defeats the purpose. <laughs> exactly. So we have to find that middle way of uh, bringing in um, practices in life. And so, you, you know, you've mentioned um, two or three practices already in our conversation. You know, one, I think this is something everyone can do, hopefully. I mean, there, uh, some people are going to have some difficulty. Maybe they're working night shift or something. But for the most part, this practice of um, getting up um, before dawn or at dawn to experience the early morning, morning light and make that connection, you know, to uh, nature and to the inner light um, and have a daily steady routine of that time for your mantra, for your meditation. And then you also mentioned, you know, the simple practice of connecting uh, our bathing, which we're going to do naturally, but connecting it as, um, you know, these are coming from the holy rivers, you know, uh, and making that uh, connection, you know, as we have our morning cleansing routines. Um, is there another practice that you would lift up as something also uh, essential that people could be aware of? I think um, um, there is one practice that really helps people sleep soundly and that it can be universally applied is, you know, just warming a little bit of raw sesame oil. And uh, before you go to bed, uh, massage the soles of your feet and your outer ear and the crown of your head, you know, where we have the crown chakra. Over there, we need some oil and do this with your eyes closed. And if you have a mantra in your tradition, and if you have no other mantra, then simply Om while you're doing this for just a few minutes. And then wipe your feet with a warm towel or just any cloth and go to bed. And that will make such a big difference to the quality of your sleep, to your nervous system. And from an Ayurvedic perspective, it will balance all the pranas or all the vata dosha. So that's another practice that I recommend pretty much everyone. And if you are dealing with insomnia or you have restless leg syndrome or anxiety or nightmares, this is especially, it's a lifestyle practice, but it will gift you help. And I, I'm a big fan of this. And I um, try to do this uh, pretty much uh, every night, except for some nights. If, it, if I'm running late, I let it go. But this practice, I try to do four to five times a week. Mm-hmm. It's not yes, Beautiful, simple practice. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind as you share it, uh, Shunyaji, is that, you know, when we start looking at our lifestyle practices, um, of course, generally we begin with the morning and making sure that we're having our cleansing practices and, you know, the main emphasis on meditation, um, which is critical for practitioners of, of yoga and Ayurveda and uh, Vedanta. So we, we tend to focus there and maybe we don't pay as much attention to the evening hours, you know, what we eat at night or what time we go to bed or how we go to bed. But this practice, you know, begins to, um, you know, bring more awareness to the conclusion of the day. And it's very simple. It could take, you know, five minutes or less, really. And uh, and then we begin to draw a circle around our day, um, which I think is so helpful because then it affects, you know, how we wake up in the morning, right? Right. So you can't expect to just have this little oasis in the morning um, and then, you know, not pay attention to 
during the rest of the day and the evening um, because it's all connected. So this is a lovely practice for making that uh, connection. Yeah, it's a little bit like the um, uh, Kriya of Pratyahara where you're pulling in your senses. So this is what happens when the oil starts going into those typical areas. And if you've done it for about 40 days in a row, uh, on the 41st day, um, the the you, the person experiences like it's like an auto suggestion. We are relaxing. We're going to bed. You know, we deserve this. And the whole day just starts folding in. And you're very correct that you know this this idea of creating an oasis in the morning and then having a crazy day at a crazy speed is just not the rishi way of living. It's mm. like throughout the day. So this is an example of little rituals, like little flowers that are planted along, you know, the whole day for us so that these are reminders that we're a spiritual being having a physical experience. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think it's just beautiful. And just on a practical aspect, I would just keep a little, you know, a bottle warmer or a very tiny crock pot in your bathroom where the oil can be heated directly into it, a tiny crock pot. And that's it. It just stays there and you plug it in for a few minutes. And you have just fine, warm oil, just enough to have in your hand to massage. That's it. And lots of loving stroking. I've had um, students report to me, Omaji, how sometimes they shed a few tears doing this. And maybe it's just the relief that they needed at the end of the you know. And it's interesting, isn't it, that in, you know, of course, in Christian tradition, there are, you know, beautiful uh, ritual of washing the feet. And uh, so there's a tremendous uh, sense of uh, holiness and uh, preparation, you know, of the body, you know, to receive uh, divine love, divine grace that is known, you know, in many uh, traditions. And so I, I can see, you know, why the tears would come. Um, and it's just a way of connecting, you know, the whole the whole self. So we're going to uh, conclude in just a moment. And uh, I want to ask you just um, for a brief um, moment of inspiration that or encouragement that you would like to share uh, with our listeners, Shunyaji, before we conclude now. The encouragement that I want to give everyone is that continue having hope and do not let anyone take your hope because our bodies are um, fields of miraculous shakti and power and uh, continue continue to imbibe the teachings of yoga, Kriya Yoga, Ayurveda, and the different spiritual traditions that continue reminding you that you are a self-healing entity and you can utilize nature, positive affirmations, and uh, deep, uh, tried and tested traditional wisdom to revive yourself, to rejuvenate yourself, and have an awesome life. So disease is optional, and no matter where you've been, the day you take the decision that this is going to change, it shall change. And that's all I can say to you. A big warm hug to all the listeners here. And mm. keep listening to the Yoga Hour. That mm-hmm. I would because this is also another resource of uh, great memory of reminding you of who you are and what is possible. 
Thank you so much, Shunji. I really appreciate this opportunity um, to chat with you again and uh, to have your wisdom shared with our listeners on Yoga Hour. And I want to remind everyone, you can find out more about Acharya Shunya uh, at her website, which is Vedaka. V-E-D-I-K-A, VedicaGlobal.org. And you'll find um, on Unity Online Radio, you'll find uh, some podcasts of her uh, previous talks with us um, from past years, from October of 2014, Expanding the Circle of Caring, Compassion in Yoga and Ayurveda. And from June in 2013, Rasayana, Elixirs of Rejuvenation for Women's Wellness. So you can also find these on the CSE website and that's csecenter.org. Just click on the Yoga Hour button there and then look for the topic Arvade and you'll find that. And again, I want to invite you to the upcoming Kriya Yoga Congress, March 2016. Go to csecenter.org and you'll find out more about that. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour. It's free on iTunes. I look forward to being with you again and And until then, remember to take good care of your divine self, to let your inner light shine into the world so you can share your beautiful peace and joy with all that you meet. Thank you, Jeff, at Unity Online Radio in the sound room there, and to Vicki Martin, our producer, and uh, Laurel Trujillo as our co-producer, and uh, Shunya, Acharya Shunya, um, Pratichi Mator, thank you for being guest on Yoga Hour today. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Many of us have heard someone say, I've learned my lesson. I'll never do that again. All too rarely do we hear, that was a wonderful lesson. I'm glad it happened just the way it did, even though I was uncomfortable going through it. I now understand why I experienced the pain. With this new awareness, I can change my behavior so I won't make the same mistake in the future. We bear a good part of the responsibility for creating both the positive and the negative situations we experience in daily life. Wisdom comes from understanding the result of our choices and realizing that we can always choose differently. By fearlessly confronting the role you play and the experiences you may have judged as mistakes in your life, you can make future experiences fruitful and increase your wisdom. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 